Hello there, Mad Splainers listeners. Chris Lay here, co-host of the Corner Table podcast with Cap Times food editor Lindsay Christians. I'm hijacking your feed to share the first episode of an exciting new project that we've been working on called Reopening Sardine. This episode centers on our interview with Sardine co-owners John Gato and Philip Hurley, who are looking back on what the previous months of the pandemic were like for them and their staff. Later episodes will feature interviews with other key players, candid audio from staff meetings, interviews with devoted customers that were recorded the day that Sardine reopened, and so much more. We really hope that you enjoy this unique look behind the curtain at one of our personal favorite restaurants in town. If you want more, you can find those follow-up episodes by subscribing to The Corner Table on whatever podcast player you're listening to right now. So without any further delay, here's Reopening Sardine, Episode 1. Hello! Welcome to The Corner Table, Reopening Sardine, a limited five-episode series of The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin. The Corner Table is produced and hosted by me, Lindsay Christians, Cap Times food editor. And me, Chris Lay, occasional Cap Times contributor and the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises. As much as I love to cook, I have missed going to restaurants. Chris, you've missed going to restaurants too. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're listening to this, I have no doubt that you have also missed going to restaurants. Thankfully, nationwide vaccination efforts mean restaurants are beginning to reopen at increased capacity with increased assurances of safety for diners, their staff, and especially the community at large. When quarantine kicked in last spring, we refocused the corner table to examine and document effects the pandemic was having across so many facets of food service. Now, as we emerge from that, we're getting ready to close the book on that dismal chapter. We decided to take a deep dive into what it means to reopen a restaurant that's been closed for over a year. You know, what goes into cleaning, rehiring, and rethinking everything from the food on the menu to how late you're open. And the challenge of making sure every diner feels safe. To illustrate that process, we decided to focus on Sardine, one of our favorite shared places in Madison. We chose Sardine for a handful of reasons. Obviously, there's the food, the service, and its beloved brunch menu. But Sardine was also one of just a handful of places that never transitioned to delivery, they didn't put out a patio, and they ignored the ghost kitchen trend, which adds an interesting layer worth exploring. Many restaurants are having trouble finding staff right now, even more than they did pre-pandemic, but Sardine has managed to retain several dozen employees, many of whom have been with the company for a decade or more. We thought in an industry known for high turnover, that retention spoke to the kind of workplace it is. For this first episode, we interviewed Sardine's co-owners, John Gato and Philip Hurley, about what it was like to shut down for over a year. In future episodes, we'll sit in on staff meetings and check in with the kitchen, bartenders, servers, and managers to find out what their COVID year was like. We'll take you to Sardine on the reopening day. It'll be a glimpse of what dining could look like as we emerge slowly and as safely as we can from this restaurant drought. We are extremely excited about everything that you're going to hear for this series. Please make sure that you're subscribed so you get all the future installments that will be coming out over the next several weeks. Without any further delay, here is our initial interview recorded in mid-April with John Gato and Philip Hurley.
real quick, can we get, I guess, like, just a introduction, say your name, and then, like, this is the sound of my voice? Uh, Philip Hurley, this is my voice. John Gato, we're here in Gates and Brovey dining room. Since this dining room was open? It's been over a year. It was one of those things where we were actually going to do, uh, we have a big uh, St. Patty's Day thing, and I remember talking to the guy who uh, leads up this Irish band, and we were thinking, uh, are we going to do this thing? And we both sort of had concerns about what was, you know, should we, you know, is it smart? Is it the right thing to do? And uh, I remember at one point we were like, yeah, no, it's probably not a good thing to do. <laughs> and <laughs> As the black clouds literally, way to the Midwest. And this was know. maybe two weeks prior to them showing up. Yeah, no St. Patty's Day. No. Anywhere. Uh-huh. Anywhere for in the country. Two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for two St. Patty's Days. Yeah. yeah, right. Or at least not here. Other places have tried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There might have been St. Patty's For yeah. better or worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there any clear-cut moment where you knew like this is gonna be it was any one like a, like another restaurant that like threw it in or a news thing or like what was it that really tipped that for me I remember hearing in the news that Ohio State had closed their campus we knew it was coming right but when Ohio State went oh man it's happening like that quick quickly you know and we were talking said, well this this is what's happening and that was maybe I don't remember, a week or two before, you know, or a week before. But everything, every day was like three days, it seemed like, you know, when this was happening. And uh, we were getting the feeling on a Thursday, and we were all doing, you know, all the restaurants are, you know, using their sanitation stuff, and we're all doing this, wearing clothes behind the bar, which is kind of craziness. And, because everything was tactile at that point, right? They were saying, you can't touch things. And then we knew that this was not good. And then we came down, we left Sardine, and we were coming down here, and Sardine was already starting to not be quite as busy. And then we came down here, and it was jam-packed, like yeah, like a party before the ship's yeah. going down, yeah. sort of thing. Well, right, and then and we, like, we, we, had, we had people who were calling and saying uh, how irresponsible we were by having all these people in the restaurant. And again, yeah, we were, we were, we were trying to play by, we were, we were trying to play by the rules. This was all happening so fast. Yeah, we had gloves and sanitation and stuff all over the place, but there wasn't any Just occupancy, no. occupancy rule or anything like that. It was every, every, but it was, it was like palpable. I mean, it was like everywhere. And uh, we kind of like felt like okay, well, you know this. Yeah, this is this is definitely doesn't feel right, and uh, you know we're we're getting a lot of weird uh, vibes from the neighborhood, and that maybe we should tone it down. And um, then at some point, uh, we kind of had to assess things after that after that night. We sat here and we said, are we going to open for brunch here or not? And this was Sunday, right? Yeah. And we said, uh, we just said no, we're done. We didn't want. We, we didn't like know there's no other way. We just thought, yeah, we don't want to attract people to come and hang out together when this thing is like, you know, ricocheting, you know, off of people in their lives. And we 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 knew that responsibility was ours. And we thought this is going to really hurt. And we don't know how bad it's going to hurt to hurt our, our employees. It's we're shutting 
Yeah. It's like shutting down a, a locomotive that's filled with stuff, you know, and then telling the staff. We, we told them we had unanimous support from everyone. They didn't, no one wanted to work. Everyone was afraid. What we really didn't quite uh, digest was the aftermath of shutting down, uh, you know, a couple, you know, three really busy restaurants and the amount of waste and the amount of food and the amount of everything, like Philip was saying, I mean, it is, it's like a freight train that's going 100 miles an hour and then all of a sudden it stops and everything behind it which is you know which is purveyors food bills uh payroll uh payroll payroll taxes is behind that and it's just like piling up you know it just all comes up front we're like you know holy cow it was it was it's just like crazy and you don't realize what what kind of a you know, and, and restaurants are kind of this hand-to-mouth thing. So if it stops, the engine stops, then it's crazy what the, you know, the, the aftermath is, you know. Our coolers of all three restaurants have been empty for a year, basically. And so to restart that engine, it almost seems like there's hundreds of products. There's pickled things. There's fermenting things. There's potatoes. Yeah. There's all this stuff. Yeah. It's well, hard even, to even imagine. Yeah, even know? the frozen stuff now, we're, as we're reopening sardine, you know, and assessing all this stuff, we're... You know, essentially throwing away this stuff. You know, I mean, we did as much as we could to dole it out to our staff. You know, uh, in uh, you know care packages, and we took probably you know twelve trips over to um, uh, Goodwill. You know, to unload bread and, and perishable stuff. And, to, we uh, took it over to the pantry, and and we literally, I mean, we we packed so much into our freezer that. You couldn't, you couldn't even, you know, once you open up the door, you can't even, you know, you couldn't even stick your arm in it. I mean, um, but again, all that stuff has been uh, turned into some sort of loss, you know. Did you monetize that loss? Do you know how much it was? Uh, well, I mean, it's in the thousands, oh, you know. Yeah. I mean, tens of, tens of tens thousands. Of thousands. Yeah, of sure. Just, just, just and product. Just the food, yeah. 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 And it's funny, you know, if, if, if our cooler had gone down, and uh, you know everything was spoiled in there. You know our insurance would have covered that. Ah, but, but because but we don't have it. This you know it was uh, this, this portion of uh, this pandemic was was not part of our insurance policy. So. Just to give people a sense of what the train was like before it stopped, yeah. <laughs> can you give us a little introduction to Sardi um, and, and to, to your restaurants here in Madison too? Give us a little sense of, of where you started and sort of where you were by the time the pandemic came along. Should we start with what Marigold? Do I just go to sure. where, we, where, where, where it all began? Where, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we could go to where we met in Chicago. Yeah. Where did that? you meet in Chicago? Uh, well, we were in uh, Wrigleyville, which is north of the city, kind of uh, off of uh, Clark Street, like literally about two blocks away from, from Wrigley Field. Um, and we both lived in a three flat, um, just uh, literally across Clark Street, uh, on a street called Patterson. Uh, and Philip was working uh, 
in a, in a kitchen and uh, I was working in a kitchen uh, so we were both in the, in the biz and then uh, I don't know it was like it was like a snow day wasn't there something like it was a crazy yeah, snowstorm snow yeah. and I, my wife and I lived upstairs we came down to John and it was his girlfriend now wife at the time and we came down and we had some beers together we talk and at some point we look at each other and say, he's like so what do you what do you what do you, what do you yeah. like to do what do you like to cook and we, what's your what are you all about it was sort of uncanny his experience he was in LA at the very same time that I was in San Francisco and he was working some great chefs down there and I was working some really great chefs in San Francisco area and so we had that in common right away that kind of cooking right that sort of French trained beautiful local products and mm -hmm. yeah and then we actually were like well why don't we talk about why don't we you know do something I mean he has his he was married and, and I think your son was Griff was probably two, two or, or three, three yeah. and I was engaged and you know to be married uh, that summer and um, so we we're kind of looking for some kind of change and then at some point you know, after looking at spaces in Chicago and just kind of like not really finding anything uh, and, and throwing around, tossing around the idea of coming up to Madison, you know, we hadn't really committed, but it was, uh, but it was out there. And um, then I remember. I, I, I got to yeah, jump in yeah, here because yeah, 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 cause, yeah. Cause my emotions were yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I was in the pantry of the, the restaurant I was working at and I had called them and I was just saying like, all right, I'm like committing. I'm the one with the child at this point. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I got to support my yeah, family. Yeah, a little more. A little, a little more <laughs> and I said, plate. Yeah. all right, we moved to Madison. We do breakfast, lunch place. We don't kill ourselves working nights. And we have all these, I, apparently all these farms are around there. And we're going we're gonna to move Madison, up to Madison. And, and Madison was like rated the 10 best places to live. Yeah, we were like, this is, yeah. I, and I knew he knew more about Madison than, than, than I did, actually. I'd only been here like once before that, you know, in yeah. college or something. And, uh, yeah, let's do it. It was. I remember being like, yeah. "Yeah, this is it. We got a, we got a plan." Yeah. Gosh, we found that space, and yeah, we, went, um, we we found the space in the block eighty nine, and and thought that'd be perfect for a breakfast lunch place, and and uh, yeah, and that, that just were, that started. And then five years later, starting yes, five years yeah. later, yeah, yeah. We both seen uh, block or um, uh, machinery row. machinery row building, and we knew that thing was available. We knew it was like this awesome space on the lake, and. Um, and at some point, we're like, I, I was like, dude, what is like, what would be like the perfect space for you? And you said, you know, the machinery yeah. row, and it was it was obvious that we were both uh, into them. And then it took about two years from that point to actually open it. So yeah. we were talking in two thousand four, and then it didn't open until two thousand six. Yeah, right. Sardine <laughs> was bigger, and yeah, sardine was scope. Yeah, it was bigger. on every level. Yeah, way bigger, and. Um, it, yeah, we wanted it to, to be kind of um, a city, you know, kind of a bigger experience, yeah. bigger experience, and like we're taking people somewhere, not all of Madison necessarily, you know. It was a beautiful space, and it was a big, ambitious thing, and I think people were like, whoa. Like, I mean, it's obviously a step up in, you know, a lot of ways. Um, would it, would you classify it as like fine dining, or? What do you say? It's, I mean, you could, could, be, could be considered a ridiculous terms. It doesn't really yeah. fit anywhere. Yeah, exactly. But, but, it's, but, yeah, it's, but it's middle of the road. I mean, it's yeah. not gonna, it's not gonna, you know, crush your your wallet by by coming it's out. We wanted to make it. Uh, it's not too fancy. Really, really accessible, and also uh, just service wise too. Make it all inclusive. Not not try to intimidate anybody. You know, try not to have this aura of. Um, stuffy kind of you know this uh, place I mean just make it really welcoming and um, 
uh, appeal to everyone. Yeah. And you know, we have we'd have people in there with suits and or you know, in shorts. And yeah, just coming off the Bayou, you know. Whatever, and so it's yeah. a whole. I mean, that's what we wanted. Yeah. And it and it, it was sort of uh, you know harkens back to where we worked out in some of the places in California um, that had that same sort of anyone can show up, anyone can be. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You just what you want to do is you want to enjoy yourself. Yeah. And it's even better when you're in a you know, uh, heading to the frosty ball or something and you're yeah. in your ducks and you're next to someone who's, you know, yeah. wearing, wearing uh, you know, jeans and uh, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. This podcast is sponsored by Exact Sciences, a leading provider of cancer screening and diagnostic tests. To learn more, visit exactsciences.com. There were restaurants at the beginning of the pandemic who just laid everybody off right away. Um, there were restaurants who tried to hold on to their staff even though they didn't have, wor- have work for them because mm-hmm. everything was closed. Yeah. When, in those early weeks of the pandemic, how were you communicating with your staff and what were you hearing from them? Um, like what kind of feedback were you getting from them about how they were doing? Well, yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of uh, back and forth uh, because we we still didn't really know the extent of how long we were going to be closed. Uh, There's a lot of talk about um, unemployment mm. and you know how you know people were were going about getting that and how much of a pain in the butt it was to like get it. Um, you know, and from our end too, um, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You know, from from a restaurant uh, owner standpoint, but I think we just thought one, uh, we didn't want to burn anybody out. We didn't want to open people, open it up, and, and put people in harm's way. First and foremost, that yeah, was it. you know, no one really wanted to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, nobody wanted going, to work. You mean we're not going to open? No, and, they didn't want to come. And we're not going to call them in to work uh, two shifts and and go off unemployment. And at the time, it was just seemed like, you know, the best scenario was to just let these guys, you know, live off that. And we didn't know how long it was going to go at that point, but it seemed like, like a, like a kind of nice alternative to, you know, it was painful. We had a, yeah. we had a meeting with all the leadership of the yeah, three restaurants right. down at Sardine, and basically told them what we were doing and why, and that we really can't help you. I mean, literally, Gosh. like we don't have. Uh, you know, our payrolls are giant, right? I mean, they are they are big. It's the main thing what you do. And then you have no income to do that. Not only that, you have payroll that you're still paying for, you know, two weeks or, you know, we had almost two weeks of payroll to pay with no income and rent and every expense you can think of, plus all of our purveyors that we owe money to. So it quickly goes into hundreds of thousands of dollars with no revenue. And I don't know if anyone really fully understands that you can go from doing quite well to being woefully in debt, in debt. To, to a point where you're yeah. like you know crazy and so that was maybe the most heartbreaking thing is that you've always been uh, leaders and owners that are trying to figure out how to do it even better for everyone and at that point we can't and that, that doesn't go just for them but for every single person that ended up getting laid off we knew it was going to be a while at that point I mean it wasn't going to be when we really shut down at Dr. Rent uh, I remember Susan, our general manager, was like, how long do you think? And I remember thinking, and everybody else was kind of stretching it to, like, July, August. And that was like, 
blown away because you know, we were, we we had plans then yeah. to we kept monitoring the situation and we thought well gosh we'd be on top of this they're talking about mm -hmm. late spring early summer and then we thought let's yeah. think about a late summer to start bringing them back uh we just kind of thought at the end of the day and this was this was really before we really understood how long it was going to go that it would be you know what's it's sort of apples to apples you know like you're gonna you're gonna open you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna dish out a lot of money you're gonna put your staff at harm's way uh, you're probably not going to make any money. If anything, you're, you're going to lose money. If you don't, you know, right? The caveat is that you may lose some staff. Uh, you're, but you're, you know, you're not putting, you know, you're not forcing your staff to come back and and but work. They don't want staff. to. We're talking from and, 165 yeah. people to what? Bring seven and, back. And you know? maybe you end up, maybe you end up with uh, the same thing. And maybe you're, you're actually in a better situation by by not opening. Every restaurant's. In a different situation, and um, you know, um, luckily, you know, we had that option, even yeah. you know, to go. And there wasn't any guidance, you know, from bureaucracies. I mean, there wasn't, you no. know, governmental whatever outside. Of the, the opposite, right? Yeah, and it was the opposite. It was, it was more antagonistic, and you felt like what we thought might be coming down the pike to be relief, you knew was not going to come, yeah. and that that light you thought would come never showed up. Yeah, it never showed up. I know that there were. You know, organizations that kind of popped up to unify a lot of like, um, you know, the actual staff. But were there any lines of communication amongst various, you know, chef, owner, you know, restauranter in within the city talking about things, or was it pretty much everyone just kind of doing their own thing and trying to? I'm sure there were chefs that were in contact, and we were in contact with some. But as time kept going on, it was just sort of became. More time between even, you know, maybe communicating staff, you thought we were, we were going to stay in touch. And then also this just goes and goes and goes. And and then even the contacts uh, that we had with some other chefs or the people probably were less, but would be, you know, uh, sporadic. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of times where we would just meet and go, I hope we're doing the right thing. I mean, then we'd be like, we're doing the right thing. Yeah. But we were constantly going, weighing when is this going to end and what are we what are we what consequences by fully shutting down even yeah. though we thought we got to hold on to any capital we have and not have we want to have an option of reopening i got the sense you know when i spoke to you guys last summer that like you were trying to listen to what people had to say that you were thinking about like as we're considering reopening what kind of feedback can we take from staff so that they feel safe so they feel ready to come back mm -hmm. um I wonder sort of sort of going into the fall, like at the end of the summer last year, going into the fall, was there a point where you were like, okay, it's gonna be another six months? How did, how did, you, how did anything change for you at that point when you sort of realized it was gonna be a while? Well, I think we, we, we knew that it was gonna be a brutal winter, for one, and we knew it was definitely not gonna get any better. Uh, I think there was a time when, you know, it really kind of all dawned on us and kind of it sank in that, you know, we're probably not going to open until spring. We, we had outdoor, uh, we had an outdoor meeting on, in Sardines parking lot and everyone, and we did it with Marigold, we did it, well the Marigold we did much earlier actually because we knew that downtown um, was done and the idea of trying to, and for other reasons, um, we knew that we were putting that to bed. And that we were just going to bring that back when we could. 
And so we took, that was brutal to tell all of them. And these are people who've worked for us for, since we started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of them. And that was brutal, brutal. And then we had met with everyone. It was just like a pretty, pretty, pretty rough few days, basically, looking at our staff and saying, this isn't going to happen until spring. And we knew that probably in July because we knew there's no reason to open up in the winter. And we did other little functions. We did some catering things, but nothing to any scale. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we emptied the uh, the rosé, pretty much our rosé that that we knew was going to be good by the time we opened. Oh yeah, so we, we, we had, it was it, was it kind turned of into a, like a, it was kind of a, quite a, 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 a we spread out of the whole parking lot yeah. and just drank a lot of wine. Oh yeah, and there was tears well, and, and there, there were tears and it was and, very and sad. Double shots of uh, bourbon and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. A, I mean, it was kind of a release. And, it was. Uh, it, was uh, it was super sad, and you know that was that was sardine but you know marigold i mean having sitting sitting down with these guys outside and telling these guys especially marigold who these guys some of these guys were working with us since yeah. 19 years and uh saying like you know you guys just go ahead and get new jobs because we can't you know we don't know you know we can't tell you uh we can't tell you what to do but we're not going to be open yeah for and it you know, and it, that's just yeah and the, yeah it's brutal and 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 you know, not everyone. And it's not like it's your fault. It's not like like exactly. There's, there's, and that's, there's, no, and, there's and no that's, one to be frustrated and with. And that's what we're that's what we're telling. You know, to you know, uh, you know, Antonia or you know these these guys have been working for us for so long. Who've looked up who are like us and we're crying and we're like you know, yeah, it's we not don't, our fault. And it's we not our we, fault. We, and, yeah. and apologizing for it. You know, it's crazy. I never would have thought that this would have been the case. You know, and restaurants would have been so vulnerable something like this but it was um, it's crazy yeah it's crazy and it makes you it makes you almost not want to be in this business yeah you know after after something like this but restaurants are such a are such a you know a fabric of a community and and they bring people together I think we have kind of a you know there's like a, a mission that we have you know to you know reopen and I mean and to be kind of the the bears of you know this joyful sort of celebration, you know, when uh, things get back to normal. back together and also like on a, on a mechanical level what, what does it mean to reopen a restaurant that's been closed for a year uh, well it's <laughs> it's uh it's it's truly like opening up another restaurant right i mean it's opening a new restaurant even though but we purchased uh, all this stuff. We, yeah, we yeah. yeah all we have electrical and plumbing. All the infrastructure. That's here. good. Yeah, we got our dishwasher. We got yeah. our, uh, you know, our HVAC. The interior design. Yeah, we, yeah. Got, yeah. Our, we yeah. got our hoods. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but it's 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 really great. I mean, it's it was a struggle, but I mean, it's it's a really kind of uh, happy and. Um, joyful thing you know yeah, this to is call cool. these guys up and to get excited about redoing it to have staff that has been kind of in limbo or maybe thought about doing something else but 
but has made the, the commitment to come back. Obviously, Sardine's been closed since day one uh, of the pandemic, so that is like, super exciting. Yeah. Coming in here and seeing Tim rearrange the furniture and now has yeah. all the tables set up, that's, that's, that's kind exciting of a too. positive thing <laughs> Yeah, too, it as is. Well. It's like these little victories. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's exciting thinking about doing restaurant, you know, you know thinking about the restaurant and cooking and, and all the things that, um, you know, you never were able to get to or were always thinking about uh, inefficiencies or ways of doing things. And, and, and now we have this opportunity to retweak the menu, retweak uh, how we do things. Um, it's really exciting. A you know, I think it, 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 we've talked about this a lot. It's really a chance to communicate uh, yeah. In every way, better with our yeah. with our staff, with our with our our, our uh, chefs and our managers, and people, to be able to rethink all those little things. Yeah. And it comes down to having just a, a, an incredibly open, transparent communication yeah. to say, "Hey," because sometimes as owners, you're like looking, like, and you, you're sort of like to each other, go, "God, why are we doing that?" And then yeah. it's just the, the thing's so big and moving, it's hard to like stop it well it stopped <laughs> so now so we it, it would be ridiculous if we didn't seriously think and we've been doing that over the year about all those little things that yeah. that could change the culture that could give better a better workplace for everyone to uh, a better smarter way that we can take care of the money that you know we maybe were leaking away by inefficiencies yeah. they need money we all need this money yeah. more than ever and so we're really yeah really concentrating on that right, exactly I mean, abs absolutely thinking about how we can better take care of our of our staff, you know, uh, you know, being a little more compassionate to, you know, what goes on, uh, you know, having this this sense of, uh, you know, caring about our guys, you know, caring about our, our customers. You're just lucky to be back, but it, but it makes you, you know, care about your staff more, you know, and and maybe. Uh, um, give them a better place to work, you know, maybe, you know, give them more of a living wage, you know, pay them better, everybody. I mean, that's the idea. Uh, and we thought we, 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 we always were there. pushing for yeah. that. Always. I have to say, yeah. because we, I mean, that was at the top of what we, how we ran our businesses, but when everything's taken away and you're, everyone's exposed and are so vulnerable that, you know, we can only think of how to do it yeah. better. It's just, it's just like, it's not fair, you know, and so we have to be smarter and and and, and really think uh, what we can do that ensures them more security, you know. But, but with that comes, a, you know, a, you know, a new way of looking at uh, how to do things, you know. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, having a smaller menu, uh, you know, maybe being more efficient, uh, you know, doing um, things differently that are more that are easier to put out, but yet it's not really. It's not losing anything, you know, not so much, you know. I have a giant menu where you have this this cooler just packed full of stuff and, uh, you know, it just makes for a difficult place to work, you know. Or, you know, you've got so much prep that everybody's just, you know, busting their butt, you know, to like get things done. And, uh, you know, your labor's really high because uh, for whatever reason, you know, your, your menu's super ambitious and, you don't need all that. Are there things that make sardine sardine that you think you could never change that are essential to who, to who and what the restaurant is? The raw mops. 
you know, who don't care and have never cared. There'll be people who are vaccinated, uh, who are totally ready to go out, but then there'll be a psychological aspect that will last for years probably. So even when we're at 100%, I don't think we'll ever be back to where we were prior to the pandemic. Um, so that's altered probably, you know, the restaurant um, forever. We're shell-shocked. I mean, I think yeah. that, that you can't get away with the idea is that we're excited and we think it's opening and there's plenty of places around the country that are wide open right now and, and have been for a little while, at least in their, uh, the way they're behaving or conducting themselves. But, yeah, we just want to make sure that it actually gets really busy again. <laughs> That's what I mean. Because yeah, it it's, it's so fun. Yeah, We do this because it's just a joy and it's like a, an absolute riot to walk into a place when it's busy and people are in fun and you're seeing people in your kitchens. Yeah. Yeah dumping it's yeah. just we want that back you know and who knows it, it, i mean it might and i think once people kind of touch the flame and and uh and realize that they they really are just dying to get back to their life and they're ready to scrap all the anxiety and the, and the worry that it will it will happen and we'll be back in the roaring 20s again, yeah you know? so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Both. Yeah. Appreciate it. I feel, Appreciate I feel it. good about this. I do too, yeah. This has been The Corner Table, Reopening Sardine. The Corner Table is a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Patrick Christians composed our music. Eric Lorenzen edits the show. Links to any relevant content, as well as ways you can contact us directly, can be found in the show notes. Did you enjoy this first episode? You did? Then you will for sure love all the episodes that we've got lined up. So make sure that you're subscribed on whatever app you use so that you can get every new episode delivered as fast as we can serve them up. If this was your introduction to The Corner Table, there are well over a hundred episodes for you to discover where we explore every nook and cranny in the world of food and drink in Madison. For the next episode here, we're talking to staff as they get ready to reopen Sardine. And Lindsay even got to sit in on a wine tasting. <laughs> Fancy pants. Until next time. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. Our wish for you this week is a beer boiled brat that's been seared to crispy perfection on a pretzel bun topped with stone ground mustard, grilled onions, and sauerkraut, and served with a side of German potato salad. Cheers! This podcast is sponsored by Exact Sciences, a leading provider of cancer screening and diagnostic tests. To learn more, visit exactsciences.com.